on this episode of A Tale of Two Rival. Deontay Johnson, what's the deal? A.J. Brown, is there a deal? Mark Andrews, is he the real deal? Stay tuned. Rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three P. Go with your gut. I am gonna be another winner, champion, and a number success spreadsheet loving nerd who will be lucky enough to make playoffs in our listener week to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who's here? You're joined by at ff underscore spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, I promise to include the music in this week's episodes. In, in your takeaway last week, I forgot to the music. I was falling asleep while editing. That's the number one for this week, Todd, is to uh, include some music. Just remember I told you not to edit at that point. And you were like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to stay up. I told you to go to bed. <laughs> I told you to go to bed. You didn't listen uh, to me. David. Yeah. David. All right. <sighs> Davey, should we just get in the question of the day? Should we just get started? Let's do it, my friend. Let's do this. All right. The time has come. It is the holiday before Christmas we need to get through. Thanksgiving. At this time of thanks, we try to have what is our best Thanksgiving memory. So, David, I'm not going to let you go first. I'm going to go first. My favorite Thanksgiving memory isn't necessarily on Thanksgiving. It was a tradition that happened around Thanksgiving. And uh, it was the Turkey Bowl. My friend Mike, family had this, like, huge, like, piece of land. And his dad would, like, you know, chalk out a, f- a football field. And we would have a giant four-on-four tackle football tournament. And his mom would, like, cook up um, chicken and, like, and uh, made macaroni salad. And I'm talking, like, a full barrel of each. So, like, kids would just be, like, walking by just, like, chowing on chicken and macaroni salad hitting each other out in the field just having a good time just chilling you know just enjoying just the day it was such a cool tradition something i look very fondly back on as a kid um and i definitely broke somebody's collarbone one year on a pretty vicious tackle on number fit number 58 could, could could lay a lick i just wasn't very fast so what you're saying is, would that have been a 15-yard penalty in today's NFL? Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Back in the 90s, it was just called Greg Lloyd. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was vicious. What about you, buddy? Best Thanksgiving memory. So it's nothing like too crazy special. It was probably when I was like uh, 14 or 15, and we would alternate between my parents and my dad's or my mom's parents and my dad's parents for Thanksgiving. And this Thanksgiving happened to be with my dad's family, which uh, it, is very big. And this year, like every, my dad has like four brothers and sisters. They have like lots of cousins, lots of extent, like great aunts, great. I had, my great grandmother was still alive. My grandfather was still alive. So 
and a couple of great aunts were still there, uh, were still kicking too. So it, it, it's like a time, it was almost like you look back at your childhood and you think like, this was what, what my childhood was. And it was like, there was, a, there was like three large tables and a kid's table. That's just how many people were there. And it just, I just remember everybody there was a, there, we had a puzzle going like that throughout the weekend where you would just stop and it'd be random people you'd be having, you'd be having, you'd be doing the puzzle with random family members. It was, and it just comes and go. And we had, my aunts lived across, my aunt and uncle lived across the street. So there was like a kid's house, adult house. And on the actual Thanksgiving, my cousin, Eric and I, you know, I was like 14, little scrawny kid. And that's when you would just try to eat as much food as possible. And I, I don't remember how much food I had, but my like I was like chipmunk storing stuff in my cheeks, and I and we both just laid out in the living room rug afterwards with our gluttony, and we just passed out with a nap at before dessert. So I think it was just like that. If looking back, that was just kind of nothing too crazy. Just uh, you know, family was there, and it, it definitely looking back, like uh, those were the good times, my friend. Those were the good times, and I think that's what Thanksgiving is. It's, it's about family, man, and. And, you know, it's nothing like earth shattering or anything, but it's about being with family and just enjoying having them around. For sure, man. And I think that's like one of the nice things about Thanksgiving versus Christmas. It's just about just being together and having a meal. That's it. You know, there's not as much stress around like gifts or stuff or as many traditions. The traditions are pretty based, straightforward. It's the food. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like yeah, I mean I do I I made it sound like as if like I just like speed through Thanksgiving, but I I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> so yeah, all right, Davey, you got three takes this week. Do I do, sir? And I'm gonna start off with Deontay Johnson. He was DLF's wide receiver 23 uh, in August ADP, and he was my wide receiver 25 heading into the season. There were some concerns surrounding Deontay Johnson. There was like two camps or like three different camps around Deontay Johnson. There was like the drops camp. There was like the he's amazing camp, like he's next Antonio Brown camp and just some people in between. I was pretty in between, but maybe a little bit on the harsher side. He was pretty inefficient last year with a negative 1.2 fancy points over expected per game. And he had a low racer, which is basically how efficient you are of turning receiving yards or air yards and receiving yards. He had a low A dot of like 7.4 per target last year. And he had a low racer to go with that, which is just pretty inefficient. And so combined with his inefficiency, there was a very, very high volume pass run ratio in Pittsburgh. It was 66% pass run ratio, which is absurd. Last year, they just had no run game. So you were thinking like, yeah, those 10 targets he saw a game last year, that was because of just how much they had to throw. But he did, that being said, he still had a 24% target share, which is a healthy, like low end wide receiver one, a mid wide receiver two type target share that you'd like to see. And then also too, like so then like kind of the narrative surrounding uh, besides the drops issue, which you know how I feel about drops. Chase Claypool is entering year two. Uh, Juju, there's you know as a Juju loyalist, I was expecting him to return to a little bit more of his a role that was a little bit more beneficial for him. And then also there's always the concern about Big Ben being shot, his arm being shot, and his retirement and what that does to Deontay Johnson's long term value. But now this season, Todd. His targets uh, per game have increased just slightly, which is a surprise because I thought it was 10 targets per game was going to be unsustainable, but actually went up to 10.6 per game this season so far, and he's up to a 29% target share. So that's like a 5% jump. That is a significant, significant jump in market share uh, from year two to year three. And his A dot, two dot. So it's not even like, oh, is he not just getting more targets? But the quality of the targets and the value of those targets has increased. It went up from, like I said, 74 
last year to 9.7, which is a healthy increase in air yards. And his efficiency stayed the same as far as his racer. You, the way it works is the higher your A dot, your, the more your racer goes down, but his racer stayed the same, which shows you that he was just a little bit more efficient, which is you'd like to see. But then what's odd, though, is despite his racer being uh, solid, his fantasy points over expected per game played actually doubled in the wrong direction. So I was thinking, oh, he's getting more efficient. I look at the stats. Look, oh, he's being more efficient this year. But now he's actually at negative 3.4 fantasy points under expected per game. And he's 64th in receiving expected points added on the year, which is not a very pretty number for a top receiver. And But that being said, too, you know, volume is king. And his Whopper, which, you know, weight opportunity rating, which combines target share and and air yards market share into one stat that jumped from 0.54 in 2020 to 0.74 this season, which is that 0.7 is like low elite level type of uh, opportunity. So really great season this far. He was a wide receiver 20 in points per game at 15 points per game last year. And he's jumped all the way up to wide receiver 11 at 17 and up to 17.3 PPR points per game. And it's usually when that happens, Todd, you think it's going to be touchdowns. Not the case with Deontay Johnson. His he's actually his uh touched his yards per t- receiving yards per touchdown had has increased or gotten worse this year and reverted back to the mean. So he's actually scoring TDs at a normal rate this year. And so what does this all mean? Like, you know, he's he's definitely taken a jump a step forward this year, but it's still relatively inefficient. And there's still the concerns about Big Ben are are there. Like what's the quarterback situation moving forward? So what does this all mean? Well, the reason why we're talking about it is because he had a wide receiver four overall in week 11 and that's and he's been he's just had good to great volume all three years of his career for a day two a late day two pick and he's done it with some uninspiring qb play at times to say the least so there's a lot to like about deontay johnson who was actually one of your guys todd coming out if i remember correctly he was one of my guys as a rookie yes Despite all these checks in his favor, I am really concerned about the efficiency moving forward, his, the team situation, the QB situation moving forward. And I'm like, oh, you know, can you get worse than Ben Rosberger at times this year? I'm like, yeah, I think you can. We've seen it. What happens when Big Ben leaves, is injured, or has, you know, has the has the is out on COVID uh, in IR? It makes me think that I'm willing to pivot to one of these rookie wide receivers, like an Elijah. Like, can I go from Deontay Johnson to Elijah Moore, maybe plus or relatively the similar type of deal? Like there's the Deontay Johnson loyalists out there and people who really like him, but I, maybe I can't get that because there's the rookie fever going on. So maybe then I pivot off of trying to get some of the underperforming sophomore wide receivers, like a T Higgins, Brandon Ayuk plus something for Deontay Johnson, if I can swing that, but maybe, maybe, you know, people won't do that because they're, they love themselves from T Higgins and, and Ayuk. So then, well, am I, will I take it for just a first round pick? And I don't think I'd do it for a random 2022 uh, first round pick. If I, maybe a high one and I can get one of these top wide receivers in this class, maybe I'd do it. But why trade the uh, like a sure wide receiver two for an unsure rookie? I think I think I, that's the line for me. I wouldn't do it for draft picks. And sometimes people try to get too cute because of, oh, you're not being efficient. But remember, volume is king. And while I would like to try to pivot to Deontay Johnson or use him to try to go get a, wide, or a running back to help me win now, if I'm winning, trying to win now, those are all things I'd like to do, but I'm also totally fine with standing pat and just taking that, you know, that wide receiver 23 value, who's now probably a top 15 wide receiver and wide receiver rankings for people. So when it comes to the idea of like moving him, I would say for draft pick capital, I would need a top six. 
because outside of top six, and I'm also talking like super flex. If it's like non super flex, I'd need like a top four, like minimum. It is a weaker QB draft, but there's going to be some QBs taken in the first round, and that's a enough of a gamble alone when a team defies that kind of capital to move on it from a guy like DeAndre Johnson for that kind of a QB. But I digress. So I like the idea of going after for Higgins. It probably had to be Deontay Johnson plus quite a bit to get like a T Higgins in my you opinion. Think? I do. Oh, I, I really? still I still think the truthers are out there on Higgins. I think people like are very attracted to the Cincy offense. Yeah, I, I, I totally do. I totally okay. do. I don't think it'd be working straight up. I think in some situations it was, but I think in most it would not. But I think going down to the Moors is um I mean, Elijah makes makes sense with uh, the volume piece. I think, Rondell, if you're a believer like you are, and I am too, but the thing about it is, is like when you go to move down for those guys, you're trying to hope that they like achieve what Johnson's already doing, and he's young. So like to me, I am cool with the idea of moving on from Johnson, but I feel like the time to move on from Johnson would be in the offseason when Juju naturally moves on, and then some excitement comes in with like you know a new QB. So, like, there's just going to be more narratives to support. Oh, like, look at the volume he got. Like, Juju's out of the picture, which he has been the whole time. But people don't really think about that all the way through. And then, you know, with the new QB. So, this offseason, there's going to be a lot of hype around him. Because there's always been hype around him. And now there's proof in the pudding. And I agree with you with the efficiency and sustainability. This is why he was one of my guys. Because he didn't cost a lot. And he had the makings of a guy that could have been a sleeper that hit. So now you're cashing out on whatever that third round pick was if you draft him as a rookie. I totally agree with you. I, I'd be looking to move on from him too. But also staying pat, you also did not probably have to spend a lot for either when you traded for him or drafted him. You could just enjoy the spoils as well. I don't think the hype around Deontay Johnson has caught up with his production yet. Well, you don't think so? He's, I don't he's see a, a lot of Deontay Johnson stuff on... In my bubble, I'm not seeing a lot of Deontay Johnson. Oh, okay, okay. I misunderstood what you meant by that. Yes, I don't think there's a significant amount of hype around him right now, which is funny because there is a ton of preseason hype. Not a lot of victory laps. Not a lot of victory laps at Deontay Johnson, which is really funny because, like, there was a lot of people boasting about him, and he's, like, he's hit. So I think that the the hype train's coming this offseason, and that's when it's time to move him. I wouldn't be looking to move him for a random pick. I would want to know what the pick is, and I'd like to see what happens after the NFL draft so I know what I'm investing in for a guy like Deontay. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. All right, buddy. Take two. Go. Interesting. I enjoyed the Deontay Johnson talk because I haven't had a lot of it yet so this season, so I enjoyed that. Uh, A.J. Brown, take two, Todd. We've been very big A.J. Brown people. on the Historically, we've, been a, we've, we've loved a, us some A.J. Brown. He's been my wide receiver one at times. I think he was replaced by uh, Justin Jefferson last season, but he's been a top tier wide receiver for me for a long for a long time. And a slow start to the season after being on the injury report all preseason and dealing, you know, he had those two knee surgeries uh, and he dealt with a hamstring that essentially caused him to miss two games early on. And then it's it's just it's, it hasn't been pretty, Todd. A TD saved him in week one. Uh, and then he had a wide receiver 59 finish in week two. And then he missed the two weeks. Like I talked, I essentially missed the two weeks. Like I was, I, mean, I alluded to earlier. And then, you know, the sweat was in full effect when he returned week five and then put up a wide receiver 62 season uh, or uh, week. So not, not going good through the first five weeks for AJ Brown. 
And then he went off over the next three games, averaging 25 points per game, a 35% target share, and he saw almost 10 targets per game. And I think everyone was like, yes, this is the A.J. Brown we know and love, and we know that's he's capable of. He had two top five finishes and another uh, 20 overall finish for the week in the, from weeks six through eight. But then the last three weeks from week eight on, he's cratered, uh, scoring single digits all three weeks and showing up at the injury port with a knee injury and apparently an, a chest injury at some point in week 11, which I just heard about tonight. It's been, it's been rough, Todd. It's been rough something that you thought everything was back on track and then to just see him crater again, has been, it's been difficult. And, but that being said, he's still the wide receiver 30 in points per game overall at 12.8 points per game, which is not a pretty number to say out loud. And, but 25% target share, which is right where he's kind of been throughout his career. And it's, his targets are per game is at 7.8, a little lower than we like to see for a top type wide receiver with his kind of talent. And it's actually his weight opportunity rating, his Whopper, is up a fractional a bit this year, so up to like 0.63. So it, it's not like terrible, terrible, Todd, like the peripherals. But ugh. one of the more startling things that I've seen, Todd, is that he actually has negative 0.2 fancy points over expected per game. He, through the first two seasons, he had four fancy points over expected per game, which is an insanely efficient number. And to see him being so inefficient this year, and some of that's attributed to, to Tannehill's spotty play at times, to say the least, so far this season, uh, it's still startling to see from such a talented player to be so inefficient. And it's not just in that, too, his EPA. He's had several negative EPA performances, too, throughout the season. So it's startling. It's not what you want to see from such a talented player. So what are what can actual things... Like, is it panic time? And I, I had a... From one of our Lithuanian listeners in a league I'm in, he offered me two firsts, Kenny Gainwell, and another draft pick, AJ Brown, which I still think was a little low. Uh, I think one was a 2022 and one was a 2023 first, but still a little low for AJ Brown, in my opinion. I, I was like, I'm, I'm holding, and that's what I recommend everyone to do is hold. Uh, he's flashed, like I said, he's flashed the elite talent. Anecdotally, his play style does seem like to have some nagging injuries. A lot of injuries through his first three years. That's my Dr. Dave, Dr. Spaceman take there, which I, you know, you know what that is, Todd. Uh, but you can't deny the talent, but there is a low volume offense concern. And just all of this put together through his first three seasons and his knowing his talent, I think he's fallen outside my elite, elite tier, like a top three wide receiver tier, which he's been in for me. And now he's he's just inside the top five, which it, it for someone who I think is so talented, I think that's a pretty significant drop, but I mean, it's not like the world is falling up by any means. I say bail, but I think bailing now makes no sense. He's at his lowest. Time heals wounds. I think the hype train will come back around. The narrative about his injuries will be there, like Dave said. It's the injuries that really bug me. He just can't stay healthy. I'm sorry, we, we can't predict injuries. I'm like, it's pretty predictable at this point. It happens every year, his career. That, on top of the Tennessee's offensive identity, is tough to to figure out, especially from a passing offense. Also, like, Henry coming back from the foot, that's going to be something else. I have missed my wide receiver seven still. Um, It's just really based off of potential at that point. I got him right in front of DJ Moore, uh, New Hopkins, and Cup. And I have DK, Devontae, Tyreek, Chase, Lamb, and Jefferson over him. But I would say my top tier is six players. It's Jefferson to DK. 
And then Brown's right outside of that. He He's out of that tier. He's always been out of that tier for me, actually. So he's firmly out of that tier now. But yeah, you have to, like Dave said, like the talent is flashed. He, he can be that type of player. I just don't trust him to sustain it unless some major changes, major changes happen in Tennessee. And he can prove he can be healthy. Those are big, big question marks for me. It's tough to come a buy low too, Todd, because of how popular he is. I know people are deflated a little bit like we've been talking about, but it's tough to like what would I what would you have to give what is a realistic package to go get AJ Brown in Dynasty right now? To go get AJ Brown now is it really depends on like roster makeup. Picks with like maybe a Jerry Judy or like a McLaurin, right? And like, do you really want to do that? Like a Waddle, like some other like younger emerging proven piece. But then you're going to add a first, a second, and probably like another piece onto it. And you're putting a lot into a guy, a lot into a guy that has not been consistent and has not been healthy. I don't think there's necessarily a buy low. I think the price tag is much lower than it was, but you're still going to have to spend up for him. That's why to me, it seems like he's always going to have attractiveness in being bought. So now would not be like, granted, a lot of trade deadlines are over anyways, but now would not be the time to sell AJ Brown. The time to sell OJ Brown would be around your rookie drafts and see like what kind of cap we can get plus other pieces around him if you don't believe in him. And if you don't believe in him, you might be, you might get out before everybody else is just too, who just stays in too long. I'm looking around, Todd, the DLF trade finder. There are some deal, like some pretty huge deals, which I just can't stomach. I can't do. But there's some like a J.K. Dobbins and a first for A.J. Brown. Sign me up. I'll do that deal every day. I'll give up J.K. Dobbins and a 2022 first for A.J. Brown. All day. I, that, that, that's an easy one for me. And then, listen to this. <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson, Marquez Calloway, Kadarius Toney, and Darnell Mooney for A.J. Brown. Yeah. Sign me. That was two days. That was five days ago. Sign me up. Uh, I would need context of that one. I understand why that even happened. I, you know, Tony and Ramondre and then Mooney. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, Devonta Smith in a first. I mean, I really like Devonta Smith. I'm rebuilding. Do I want to give up extra capital to get AJ Brown? Maybe, but I, I, I think that's a fair trade. I think that's a reasonable ask, but. I, I, I think that it's also reasonable to expect that Devonta could be better than Brown, though, too. Devonta hasn't, hasn't shown that he's not going to be durable yet, even though he's smaller. Brown has some clearly nagging injuries so the ceiling for smith is better than aj brown so that's a tough one i mean i'll disagree aj brown's ceiling all day over devonta smith's ceiling but i digress two firsts for aj brown in a second i'll do that too so i i guess there are some deals a whole a whole 20 all of one one two three four a whole year draft picks for aj brown i'll do that too yeah i'll do that a whole year of draft picks, so like that's a first and bun- a bunch of yeah. No, I I would do that easy, Ranger Brown. But I'm I like those are people that are getting out at his lowest. That's yeah. not smart. That's the problem. Don't get out at his lowest. You need to be holding, like you said, and let this narrative get a little space so that like you can build back up. Like people are gonna want to buy AJ Brown in the off season. Like people are gonna want to hold on to that. And they're going to say, like, he's going to be a hot, like, bounce-back candidate. Like, he's going to blow up on Twitter by, like, freaking July. 
Like it's like we're gonna see the AJ Brown hype all day in July. But like the point is, is that like those like once you get away from this narrative that we're like suffering through right now, a new one's gonna emerge once like there's time and space between it. This would be the worst time to sell him. It makes no sense. Todd, we know the like we know what managers can with like can fall susceptible to these types of turns of emotion in these dips. Inquire those emo like. He's definitely worth inquiring. That's that's what I say all the time. Get him while they're emotional. I say it all the time on yep. this show. I'm like totally bait the emotions of like this is how I got CMC in two weeks last year. Totally baiting on people's emotions, man. I would go see what's going on with AJ Brown in your weeks and see like what the price tag is. If you're able to get him in some of those dirt cheap prices, of course he's worth the, he's worth the move. But the point is, is that like when you read those off to me. That's wild. Like, th- like people should not be moving AJ Brown for that. That's crazy. That's a pretty a lot of activity surrounding him. Yeah, that's called the panic button, dude. That's bad. That's bad. I'm Avoid surprised. the panic button. Yeah, I am too. I am too. All right, buddy. Third take. And I'll go a little bit quicker with this one because we're getting tight on time here. But Mark Andrews, Todd, he's up to the tight end two on the season in points per game at fifteen point five points per game. Just 1.2 points per game less than Travis Kelsey. And he's also second to only Travis Kelsey with four top five tight end weeks and six top top 12, six top 12 weeks as well. So he's been consistent. He's been a top tight end this year, Todd. Has actually his target share has gone down. It, the last two seasons has been around 24%. It's dipped to 23%. So a huge drop, not really, but right there for, for his target share. But his targets per game is what has jumped drastically. For his career high, his career high was 6.5, and that was like two years ago. It jumped all the way up to eight targets per game so far this season. And while he's been criticized across the board for being a T, like I think that was on any podcast you listen to when they talked about Mark Andrews, T dependent, you know, when he scores TD and he, TDs, he's good. When he doesn't, it's a, it's a goose egg. I, I, I'm one of those guys. Yeah, I, and it's fair criticism, Todd. So it was a fair criticism. He's definitely become somebody who's moving the sticks now. That's for sure. Only a touchdown behind Kelsey. Like he's at four TDs. So he's getting it done through with the yardage piece, which is huge for him. And the proof, I 100% agree. And the proof is in the put. I mean, Todd, I'm also talking to a guy who on these airwaves after one week in 2020, was it 2020 or 2019? I think it was 2020. I said he was the tight end one in Dynasty after his week one last year. He had a big week one. Oh, you are hasty about something, Davey. Oh, no, 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 no. That was very <laughs> Tim Allen of you. <laughs> I know. I did, I did feel it. My, I, I'm dealing with a little cold, Todd, so my throat's a little <laughs> raspy. I hope, I hope the listeners at home are enjoying it. But uh, <laughs> so, and the proof's in the pudding, Todd. The last two years, he was in the 80 yards per touchdown on the season, so which is a very nice, easy way to look at uh, TD regression. That is either dropped or fallen, whatever you want to say, or doubled to 175 receiving yards per touchdown. So he was in the 80s for t- uh, yards per touchdown, all the way up to the 175. So half as many TDs, essentially, per- now. And he's doing it in other ways, which is really exciting to see. And it's almost as if, Hollywood taking a step forward. Lamar, I think, has matured a little bit this year. Not perfect by any means, but he's. Ta- I think he's taken a step. And Bateman emerging too as well in this offense has opened things up for Andrews. 
So I think it's, this offense is doing exactly what Andrews needs to do. And I'm not saying like, hey, move him above Kelsey in, in dynasty rankings, even though, I mean, he's he's five years younger than Kelsey, essentially, maybe four. And Kelsey's taken a big step back this year, uh, like almost as big of a jump, the ba- big of a jump as Andrews has taken. Kelsey's taking a step back this year. I think it's a fair conversation that people need to be having. Do you have Andrews over Kelsey? Or, or, sorry, over Kittle? And Waller. I think that's a legit conversation to have. Pitts, I understand the argument for having Pitts over over Mandrews. I think what this is trying I'm trying to tell people is that Andrews, while not like not it's not he doesn't crazy numbers. It's just he that these targets could could fall back down to earth a little bit. But I think he belongs in that elite top tier tight end conversation at this point. And he's been a, a he was a big value in Dynasty and in redraft this year. And I think it's paying off. So yeah, I redid my uh, my dynasty rankings this month. You know, moving around week to week, I have him in the second tier. Uh, my first tier is um, one guy. It's Pitts. That's it. And Pitts is really based off of it's an age piece with that and with the with the ceiling piece. I have Kelsey at the top of tier two, with Waller, then Andrews, and then Kittle's right behind him, then Hawk, and that's the end of tier two. A lot of that is based off of age. That that's just pretty much what it is. Kelsey is clearly not as dumb as he used to be. He's getting up there. It's the time to start thinking about moving on for him this offseason, unless you're looking to, you know, go back to back or something like that. Yeah, he's definitely somebody I'd rather have over Kittle and Hawk. Uh, Waller, I'm still going to hold steadfast on just off of the sheer volume that man gets is just nutty. Granted, it's identical right now but the Waller's played one less game than Andrews but I think there's a lot of things to contribute to Waller seeing an uptick again yeah I I like Andrews if you were able to buy in for him when people were thinking that they were selling high on him and then he just continued to go higher congratulations you hit gold because I was one of those people trying to sell him to you and I got out I got out too early like with Mark Andrews too Todd I would be willing to to do a trade down, like uh, I'm willing, if I need, like if my team is really rough and I need assets, I'd be willing to trade down from a pits to an Andrews and a lot, a lot, lot more pieces. Cause that's what it, it, like you could get two blue chips on top of Andrews for pits at this point. And I, I think I would do that. I would totally do that. I would totally do that. But um, yeah, these are some good topics, Dave. Good choices, man. Tell them where they can find you. Find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine, on the Patreon, DLF, and over at Rookie Fever. Yes, my friend. How about you? You can find me here on A Tale of Two Rivals. You can also find me over at the Twittersphere, at FF underscore Banterman. Uh, hit me up with DMs. Ask me questions. Um, C2C stuff. Dynasty stuff. Fantasy hoops, even. That's what I love. I want to just interact. See you there.